What is going on, Sharp Football Fantasy family? It is your resident, Swami Konami, Rich Rebar, and we are here already in week 10, moving downhill the back half of the NFL season in 2022. We've already been de- moving downhill in the fantasy regular season. Uh, you know, let's not waste any time here. Let's bring the guests right in. I'm excited this week because I haven't really done a lot of shows and, and worked a lot with this guest, but we follow each other on Twitter. We have real good engagement and kind of have a good mindset. Uh, I feel simpatico with a lot of the takes that he throws out there. Uh, so I'm excited to actually talk it up for an hour with him. And that is Derek Brown from Fantasy Pros. Derek, what's going on, brother? What's up, Reeves? Uh, it's been a minute, I think, um, since I was at previous places and stuff, since we've, uh, had a chance to hop on the mics, man. I mean, look, uh, I, thank you for having me. This is going to be awesome. I, I I really respect your work. Half for multiple years. I love your process and stuff. So chance to hop on the mics, dude. You know I wasn't going to say no. There's no way in hell that was going to happen. <laughs> I, I appreciate people not telling me no. Uh, I definitely <laughs> like that. Uh, the people I reach out to, it's been pretty kind of all right to, to book some guests. So I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I'm definitely excited to talk to you too, because you do something in a similar vein as I do. I mean, you have taken over the primer from the, the great Mike Taglier. We miss you, Mike. Uh, you wrote an article that was similar at FTN. Uh, I don't think it was called, it definitely wasn't called the primer, but uh, a matchups based, uh, you know, column. And there aren't many of us out here still doing these full on top down dives into every single game of the week so now that i have a fellow person out that does something similar that i do like the worksheet like you know i like to to hear about some of the process that goes into it you know what some of the things like how you start your week one why do you hate yourself uh uh, but yeah just tell me how the primer is how it goes for you like what what when do you start you start on sunday night you start monday morning just kind of what stats look for yeah just kind of like how that comes together and, and brings together all every single player of every single game yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a it's a labor of love, definitely. I started yep. doing the game by game uh, from FT, for FTM previously, and that's um, you know what I think um, things the powers that be at FP and stuff like that, and the transition to the primer, and you know, shout out tags. Um, his work has always been amazing, but like for me, my process starts usually Monday morning. Um, I, I start building like the shell of all the games, writing down totals, all that kind of stuff. Um, usually the first, and it's, it's, it's just the, it's the data search Reeves, you know how this goes. Like, so the first data that kind of goes live that I can get is I'll usually start writing up pace of play for all the games, looking at those type of nuggets. Then I'll go through, um, quarterback data is usually live right after that. So I'll usually go through and try to write write up as many quarterbacks. And it's kind of one of those things. It's like, you got to get the early jump. Cause if not, like, if you're stuck, like you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you're only one game in, you know that Wednesday night's going to be rough um, playing catch-up. So, yeah, I mean, look, the, the work starts Monday uh, the, in the morning, and then it's just waiting until data goes live, probably middle of the day. And that's usually how I start, like, the process of it. And once I get, like, usage data for other sites get uh, gets uploaded uh, Monday night, uh, usually while everybody else is sitting around watching Monday Night Football – I'm usually diving into the first like three to four games of the slate and have at least the Thursday night game written up by the next morning. So that can kind of get to the editors and all that kind of stuff. So they can start piecing that out to like a mini primer for Thursday night. And yeah, I mean, that's really it. It's crazy for people to hear, I guess, sometimes that like the Thursday article starts all the way on Monday. But I mean, Mm -hmm. I think do you start writing yours on Sunday night? Like when, when does your process start? I start on Monday. Uh, okay. I, I do. Uh, I don't tweet a lot on Sundays because I work, put so many hours until Sunday. I watch the games with my son uh, who loves football. Mm-hmm. So we kind of just have that one day where we, we enjoy the We enjoy football uh, where it's yep. not like putting a lot of work in. We enjoy our lineups and stuff. But yeah, well, we, start, we sweat our DFS action too, right? Yeah. Yep. I start Monday. I'm the same thing. I'm working through Monday night and I'm writing up games because I have games that start to go live on Tuesdays. So, mm. and then uh, I'm updating throughout the week. Cause a lot of people think too, that you're done. The other thing with this process, but uh, just <laughs> beginning, uh, you know, the COVID years were a lot tougher the past two years, you know, we're updating and scrapping full games Oof. or games or moving weeks. But uh, yeah, as the news comes out, you know, you're constantly updating players and information too. Uh, but yeah, I, I do always love uh, a fellow, you know, not fully on commiserate with a, a fellow person that does this because like you said, labor, <laughs> labor of love is a great way to put it uh, because I think speaking for you in this case too, we're really grateful that we get a chance to do this. And, uh, oh, and, and I will say too, a lot of people say they enjoy when I'm on other podcasts and I assume that's probably the case for you because 
you did all the prep work. You've done. You could. I could bring him a yep. player right now, and you could feed me information on him. And that's how I always is. They're like, oh, you know, I'll have Reeves on a show and he'll talk about this. And I'm like, yeah, well, I've written up every player for the entire week. Like, I'm good the rest <laughs> of the week. Like, I could, I've got a pulse on something. And it does help you throughout the course of the week and have a little bit of edge uh, moving into some situations. Uh, so, no, I, I always appreciate that. But, yeah, we'll talk about the, you know, so we're going to talk about some some Week 10 football, some, some future football, kind of cover it all. Um, Let's start with uh, some of the teams that are just more recently, you know, coming off of buy and maybe kind of the the post buy bumps that you know kind of we might see either for rookies or other players and just kind of some changes we make. Kind of always see like when these teams come out of buys, there might be a couple things that get the, the deck gets shuffled a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think probably the biggest kind of situation is we hit the buy with Tony Pollard doing what Tony Pollard does. Uh, when he gets a chance to fill in for Zeke, you know, we have a small sample of it, but we have two games where he just absolutely went nuclear when he got a chance to, to get the run out. Obviously, everyone, is, he's been a darling for everybody. Get Tony Pollard more touches. We're anticipating Ezekiel will play this week. We'll see if maybe something happens where he doesn't. Obviously, if he doesn't play, everyone's just going to smash Tony Pollard in again. But let's assume Zeke plays. How are you handling the split for this week in particular and kind of maybe for the rest of the season, how you're going to handle this backfield, uh, any potential changes? I mean, really the Dallas Cowboys have already kind of like shown their hand with what they want to do with this backfield to us to an extent. I mean, right before Zeke went out, his last game played Tony Pollard out, snapped him. He took over the pass game role. And I think his route rate off the top of my head eclipsed like 50, 60% somewhere on there. And, Zeke has basically just been like a touchdown dependent early down grinder RB three type. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of different places and people will still pop him up in the, to the top 24, but I'm like, why? Like he's, his target role has, has gone down his pass game role. He's basically just when he's in there for passing downs, he's just pass protecting. He's not running routes. He's not getting targets. So I look at this backfield. I'm not going to say it's going to trend towards 50, 50, but I think like, it's going to be close in the sense that I think Pollard's going to take over more of the passing down work. And honestly, Reeves, Zeke has not been a good receiver out of the backfield for a few different seasons. Like he's been inefficient. So it makes sense that Dallas is finally like outside of Jerry Jones doing Jerry Jones things and saying, we're going to go as far as Zeke goes, which if that's the case, you're not going to make the playoffs. But with Pollard, I think that he's going to take that, take over at least the passing down compliment, get about 50 to 55% of the routes, and you're looking at as explosive and as efficient as he is. I mean, it's it's a watered-down version of like what the Chargers did with, with Gordon and Eckler and such, so I think that he's probably going to be a guy that we're probably ranking low-end RB2 just based off of efficiency um, for the rest of the season, but how do you see it? Yeah, I mean, you look at the situation they were in uh, prior to, you know, this injury, this injury that Elliott's picked up. And, you know, Tony Pollard was, you know, averaging 11.1 touches per game. The coaching staff said that they kind of want to keep him around the touch count that he was at against the Bears. I mean, he only had 15 touches in that game mm-hmm. and popped. And the coaching staff, remember Malik, Malik Davis was getting, I was called Malik Willis, Malik Davis was getting some burn. Uh, so, I mean, if, if he can just go from that 11 touch mark to like to get closer to that 15 touch mark, I think that there's absolutely a runway to get there, even with Ezekiel playing. Obviously, we'll still have like the the touchdown thwarting capabilities of Ezekiel Elliott. That's probably like where the biggest impact would come from, right? Where you you have this hyper efficient potential player in Tony Pollard getting, you know, 13, 15 touches per game, but you know, do we have games where he has 85 yards and they're just empty calories, right? Because we didn't get the touchdown. That's kind of the thing. Does he have to score from outside the red zone? That might be a thing. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that he's probably the guy, like for the for on a weekly basis, you would just consider ranking one outright higher than Ezekiel Elliott um, if you're not chasing a touchdown and you're getting some catch points involved. And particularly this week, I mean, I would definitely have him ranked higher uh, than Ezekiel Elliott because um, he could just have an outright larger role as an easy in. We don't know how many touches actually Zeke's going to play, you know, so how many touches he can get. In this opening game, they, they they're favorites on the road against the Packers. I mean, wow, Aaron Rodgers a six point dog in Lambeau. Uh, <laughs> t- tough scenes, man. Real tough scenes. How that they hey, got got there, man, uh, for sure. Uh, but a- another player, you know, that maybe flying a little bit under the radar. Um, I know that you 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 liked him coming into this year, and you know the run out hasn't been great for injuries and you know injuries to his quarterback, but. Dalton Schultz really hit the bye with some really kind of good usage and he's had it with Dak Prescott and a lot of people maybe have left him for dead, but 
tight end still wide open behind Travis Kelsey uh, and, and Mark Andrews. Uh, Dalton Schultz, uh, do, you, do you believe that he's kind of primed to come out here and be like a locked-in tight end one the rest of the season? So I, I want to say yes. The the the, the <laughs> scary parts, um, and I kind of I saw this on the show sheet, and I was like, Reeves is setting me up here. No. Um, <laughs> his last two weeks, the, the scary part about it, Reeves, is that yeah. the, the usage has been there. I mean, he is gobbling up. Whenever he is on the field, they're involving him. He's got a a 40% target per route run rate, 23% target share. The scary part about it is I just don't think he's fully healthy because his route run rate's only at 53%. So Mm -hmm. he's walking a very dangerous tightrope. Do I think that he could be a tight end one? Yes. I think that his usage could climb, and I think that if his health complies and we see him get back to that 70% route run rate, 80%, he's playing all the snaps. Right now, I think that he's doing enough and they're 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 basically anytime he's on there on the field running routes they're involving him so that's good but if we don't see the route run rate climb then i think any one of these weeks the bottom could fall out for him like because the target per route run rate is so high that yeah i mean if he's only running because i think the last two weeks he's only ran um i think it's averaging like 15 routes a game so if he doesn't get any higher because dallas's pace since dak has been back has not been great Mm-hmm. So they're not running a lot of plays. It's it's more of a slippery slope than looking at his box scores would make a lot of people think. But I think there's a lot of positive for Schultz in the sense that Gallup is n- not healthy or effective. Like, with, well, we could debate his health. But I was lower on Gallup entering the year just based off of what he's done throughout his career. I mean, most of his career outside of the, the one blow-up season, he's been just a jag. Like, his yards per route run have been meh. He's been replacement level player. I mean, a lot of the volume has helped him prop up the box scores and uh, really gives people's perception of him a little bit higher than it possibly mm-hmm. should be. So I think that if if Schultz's health complies, then he can absolutely be a tight end one down the back of the season. But for me, the, the routes have got to go up as far as how many he's running per dropback. If that doesn't go up, it's going to be... It's dangerous. It's going to be really, really dangerous to play him on a weekly basis. Like, right now, I've got him ranked outside the top 12 tight ends just because of that fact. Like, I'm like, the bottom could fall out this week. Like, he could run 15 routes and get two targets. Who knows? Yeah, that's what we want to see, the the health factor, if he can come out here and get more of of a larger snap share and route participation. The other thing, too, with the Cowboys, yeah, you kind of hit on is is – the pace and them getting pushed. You know, I think that we were looking for Dak to come back and them to be more aggressive. And we have seen that Dak's created more scoring opportunities. That's the good mm-hmm. thing for this offense. Like the, the they've been in the red zone even far more in two games than they were over the five games with, with Cooper Rush. Uh, but you look at this upcoming schedule, I mean, they've got games like Giants, Colts, Texans. Like they're probably not going to be pressed to, to have 30-plus targets. And this has been what's holding CeeDee Lamb back to making that jump because CeeDee Lamb's peripheral metrics are amazing. But he's just, not, he's just not competing on a raw target level as the peers, that he, the tier he, we want him to go to. Like, well, right? It, oh, his yeah. red zone usage, like, what, how does that make any sense to anybody? He's got no red zone role this they year. They love those that's, tight that's ends, the thing I'm like, why? Why would you not use your best player in the red zone? I don't get it, Reeves. That's a Kellen Moore. The Kellen Moore loves those tight ends and the Dak runs uh, and, the, oh, and the, the Zeke runs. That's kind of always been, like, a staple of his um that's how Dalton Schultz started popping up on the radar like yep. you know like the way they use those tight ends in the red zone and uh, this year it's been you know what Hendershot and Ferguson each have touchdowns uh the last two weeks um but yeah they're probably not going to get pushed fantasy playoffs they've got Jaguars and the Eagles at least where you're hoping mm-hmm. that there's a little more run up in terms of pace because it forces all these guys to be hyper efficient like you said it just makes the the floor more fragile because well, you know when you've got 2018 targets and you know, to spread around, it, it could be easy for a guy not to bottom out in a week. Well, and the other the other thing, and you brought up the ne- the upcoming matchups, Reeves, I think, like, just to harken back to Schultz for a second, his usage last year when he had the breakout year, I think it was like 60, 70% of his targets and a lot of his efficiency, he's not a guy that separates versus man coverage. I think the other thing that can help him down the stretch is you're looking at most of these defenses, and that's one of the reasons I was really high on him coming into the year is their their schedule is littered with teams that are zone-heavy. And if that's the case, that's also going to be a bread and butter for Schultz to sit here and earn targets, too. 
Yeah, yeah, we like that. Uh, coming out of the bye, too, we got the the Steelers, who haven't been exactly the, the most fantasy-friendly offense at all this season. Uh, but they've got pieces like we still care about. They're on rosters, right? Like you look at like all these primary contributors, the Steelers are on rosters or we're holding out hope. Uh, you know, you look at Kenny Pickett and Kenny Pickett, you know, hasn't had the strongest you know, start to his career. Uh, you know, we talked about Ian Hartz last week, too. Like, to be fair to Kenny Pickett, he's not a prospect that was high on at any level, but he's had about the, the hardest like opening like start of a career anyone could have right like they forced him into the game against the Jets and now we know the Jets are like a good defense like we didn't really know for sure at the time but then he plays on the road against Buffalo Tampa Bay the Eagles he's played like he's had a miserable draw uh they trade Trace Chase Claypool to the Bears to kind of open some things up what do we kind of see like as far as the Steelers the back half of the season are you holding out any like optimism for any of these guys does Chase Claypool free up anything to, to feel excited about for you uh do you think that they're going to play your guy Jalen Warren more uh what do, what do you think about the Steelers offense here so I think one of you and you named it Reeves like he got thrown into like basically the Wolves den to start yeah. his NFL career <laughs> he started against all these top secondaries and all these top pass rushes and and basically behind the patchwork Steelers offense, which is still abysmal, that it was basically, good luck, Kenny Pickett. Hope you survive. If you do, maybe the back half of the season looks a little bit better. And I, I think that starting maybe this week, and we'll kind of touch on this game a little bit later, but I, I do like Kenny Pickett in the sense that we could see some growth from him just based off of the, the matchups lightening up, and especially based off of the, the pass rushes he's going to face. Like, you look at the back half of his season – Starting with New Orleans, who's only 28th in pressure rate. They can't get mm -hmm. pressure on anybody this year. Even with Jordan and Davenport and all these different guys, their secondary is good, but they're not pressuring the quarterback. And that's kind of a consistent theme for Kenny Pickett of the back half. Like, the remaining schedule for him for the rest of the season, he only faces two different defenses that are in top 15 in pressure right now, right now in the Colts and the Bengals. And the Bengals' secondary is haphazard. Losing a Wouzier is going to be massive for them, so it's downgraded um with that matchup but i think the two things that kenny pickett consider and hang his hat on is that the rest of the season the pressure rates and the pressure he's going to face in the pocket is going to be lessened so he's got a little more time to kind of process and, and especially for a rookie that's huge but also his his metrics and his splits have been a little bit better versus zone coverage and i think that's going to help as well because you're looking at down the back half like the saints run a good bit of zone so do the bengals they have a, a lot, like, they're littered with zone-heavy teams, though, like the Colts, the Falcons, the Panthers, the Raiders, and the Browns over the back half of the season. So I do have a little bit of optimism for Kenny Pickett, but I will share um, your skepticism in that I was not high on Kenny Pickett coming in to, as a draft prospect or anything. I actually think uh, my comp for him uh, was I, I called him the bastard son of Alex Smith and Sam Darnold. So I wasn't <laughs> exactly high on Kenny Pickett coming into the NFL. Yeah, I had Sam Howell over him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't hate that. we'll see. But, but what about the pieces? And like, you know, Deontay Johnson is a guy that's, you know, he's gobbling up targets. George Pickens actually has leads the team in receiving since mm -hmm. Kenny Pickett's been under center. I mean, Pat Fryermuth is in like this bucket of tight ends of like, what do we do with every week? Like, there's, you know, the, they can't, they can't, like, we know that there's talent there, but you can't, can he make mm -hmm. a jump? Um, are you trusting any of the running backs? I don't trust Najee at all. Um, like, I mean, his, his role, and I think that, I think Mike Tomlin is real when he comes out and says, like, either it's to light a fire under Najee, because if you look at Najee, and I'm not, I don't want to go full, like, hand-in-the-dirt film grinder here, but he is running extremely tentative. Like, Najee is not getting downhill. He's basically dancing and trying to make people miss and stuff like that, trying to do too much, and it's like, Dude, you're not an over a like explosive and athletic back. You're mm -hmm. not a, a shifty jitterbug type of back. So I think that's one of the things that like where the Steelers like their offensive line is not great, but also Najee Harris is leaving a lot of yards on the field. So I think there's a real big chance of like Jalen Warren can carve out more of this backfield. I mean, I was high on him as a prospect coming into the the process. And he's done nothing to dissuade that over the limited work that he's gotten, Reeves. Like, he's 22nd in yards after contact per attempt. He's 8th in PFF's elusive rating. You look at at least similar scenarios comparing him to Najee. Like, yes, he's gotten 75% of his carries against light boxes. Well, Najee sits at 61%. The difference is Najee's only running for 3.3 yards per carry, and Jalen Warren is at 5, five flat. So he's making good on the work that he's getting, 
So I have hope for Jalen Warren down the back half of the season, and I will not be surprised if the Steelers supplant Najee Harris if like he keeps doing the things that he's doing. I, I think that right now, Tomlin putting that into the air is more of a wake-up call for Najee Harris than it is truly like, okay, Jalen Warren's going to get the run. But if this keeps happening, can I rule out that Jalen Warren is not going to supplant him? Hell, he's still got already got a like, high handcuff status. So mm -hmm. I've got hope for Jalen Warren. Um, but the other part about this offense is I think that, yeah, you could see more 12 personnel um, because they don't have anybody that's going to work the slot that's going to command targets. Maybe if we saw Calvin Austin ha healthy, right. we'd see some more 11 personnel in this team. But honestly, if they got to doing using more 12 personnel and we saw some of the at least the efficiency out of this offense last year, because at least for the rushing offense, Running out of 12 personnel, the Pittsburgh Steelers were 14th in rush success rate last year. So I think that that could help them, as well as Jalen Warren was more of a zone runner in college. But for Najee specifically, if they get more in 12 and decide to incorporate some more power concepts, some more gap running, I think that can help Najee in saying, like, look, we don't want you to get the zone. We don't want you to ask you to press the hole and read because you're you're sucking at doing that right now. Let's get you in some gap design runs, get you downhill and say, hit the hole and go. And so I think those things can help as well as, you know, the, the thing about it, I would feel a lot better Reeves with them running more 12 personnel is if they had a tight end on the roster that was exceptionally good at run blocking. But sadly, yeah. that's not really the case. Like Fryermuth, I, I was high on his run blocking. And that's one of the reasons why I think the Steelers went after him was, okay, he's going to help out the passing game. But if you look at how effective he was in college as a lead blocker in the run blocking department, he was really good. We haven't seen that transition over to the NFL. So I, I can't say that that's going to help necessarily. But as far as the pass catchers, yeah, I mean, I think George Pickens can easily ascend in this passing attack. Um, Deontay Johnson's still getting most of the volume. I think that that could flip uh, down the back half of the season because Deontay Johnson's not doing anything with the volume. And George Pickens has a really good matchup. If, as long as Marshawn Lattimore is out this week, I think he's going to run a little bit over 50% of his routes against Paulson Adebo, who has been quietly terrible. Um, whereas Deontay Johnson and the way that the Steelers kind of play, not necessarily sides, but they do kind of favor sides with their wide receivers. I think Deontay Johnson's going to get more of Elante Taylor, who everybody's given Sauce all the praise this year, and it's very due. I'm not going to take anything away from Sauce. He's playing out of his mind for a rookie cornerback. But Elante Taylor is playing just as good. Like, you look at his numbers, he has been lights out ever since he hit the starting lineup. So I think we could see Pickens start to grab more of this target share starting this week. Uh, but I think the biggest winner here, Reeves, is Fryermuth. Like, not only we talked about the zone-heavy schedule down the stretch, Fryermuth has been knocking on the mm -hmm. door of monster games. His target share is up. He is quietly, I think it's like top five in deep targets amongst all tight ends, so he's being used down the field. If he would have strung together a lot of these games where he's got like a, a bunch of catches and like 70-plus yards, if he would have strung together a touchdown in any one of those games— people would be talking about Pat Fryermuth in a very, very different light than what we're talking about right now. So I think he's a guy that people need to be going and getting, buying low right now because his efficiency metrics have honestly surprised the hell out of me. And I think his usage has been really, really good. If we're looking at one player that I'm willing to push the chips on and say, this is the guy that can explode from this offense and we're all like, oh crap, I wish I'd have got him in midseason. I think it's Pat Fryermuth, to be honest. Yeah, I, I love that. He was a guy I wasn't in love with coming into the season, and immediately, like, Same. week one, I saw his usage, and I was like, oh, I'm going to be wrong in this, dude. Uh, same. And, and same thing. The only thing that, that hasn't just been there is those touchdowns. The, the targets are, are, are have been really great at the position. Just need those touchdowns. Uh, and that's kind of thing. Like, the Steelers ran into, like, this – and maybe – it won't be just all schedule induced. We'll find out in the second half of the year, but I mean, they just haven't been able to generate any big plays offensively. I mean, I had the tweet. It's funny. It's I tweeted it and it did. It got like some likes or whatever and circled down. And then Warren tweeted it and it got like 3000 like things like a, a minute <laughs> where I talk about their longest touchdown this year is from eight yards. They're the only team in the NFL that don't have a touchdown from outside of the red wow. zone. Uh, and you know, Jeez. yeah, I had that, that little nugget in Orchie and Warren, took it out and tweeted it and got like just blew up uh the power the power of the love the it you there. love to see it you do you do 
another team that's been really bad that had a lot of investment up front half of the year is the the Denver Broncos. Uh, we got a mercy buy with them. Everyone was kind of like, please, just like let's stop talking about the Broncos. But they're they're back this week against the Titans. Uh, you know, complete pass funnel defense. They've got the Raiders after that, then the Panthers after that. They've got kind of a fantasy playoff schedule where they play the the Chiefs twice. They got a game against the Cardinals. Is there any hope coming out of this by that any of these Broncos guys can really kind of turn this around and this offense can show any type of a pulse at all? I hope so. But honestly, <laughs> it, it, it's pretty rough, Reeves. And and I, I think as much as we've seen Cortland Sutton kind of disappear, a lot of this has been cornerback matchups. A lot of this has been – you know, we don't know what goes on behind the scene. Like some of this is if this is like Denver featuring Jerry Judy trying to get trade interest. You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and kick over those cans because we just don't know. But we're looking at this this offense moving forward. I, as much as they, if they're going to run the ball, it, it's going to drag down the efficiency of this offense because none of those running backs back there are good. It does not matter. Chase Edmonds has not been good. He's been one of the most inefficient running backs of the season. Lev- uh, Latavius Murray looks like a 32-year-old running back. Same with Melvin Gordon. He looks like he's on his last leg in the NFL. So as much as – I mean, just the fact that they're going to run the ball a decent amount and be more run-balanced, which they have skewed towards the passing game, um, although their pace sucks. Um, if they do – if they incorporate any more of the rushing, it's going to drag down the efficiency. And honestly, these upcoming um, secondary matchups do not favor Cortland Sutton. Um, like with Tennessee, he could get a, catch a shadow from Christian Fulton. Carolina is going to have to deal with J.C. Horn and Dante Jackson if he's healthy on the outside. KC is a little bit better. Arizona's cornerbacks um, are playing better. I think a lot of this favors. So, I mean, honestly, the only parts or pieces I wanted out of this offense moving forward is probably Jerry Judy because the slot corners that he's got coming up with Amik Robinson, um, Roger McCreary, who is playing better, but you could still get over him. Miles Hartfield has been bad. Um, KC is top seven versus slot uh, wide receivers. Um, Jerry Judy is probably the guy that I want the most exposure to, or Greg Dulcich. Greg Dulcich is is in the – we have a, a small contingent of tight ends that have kind of hit the ground running, Reeves, in their mm-hmm. rookie seasons where we're like, holy crap, that can happen. Wow, okay. <laughs> I mean, Dulcich has been a top 12 guy since he, he got back from injury. Every and, game. The Broncos have been like, let's feature him. Like all the training camp stuff where I was like, man, it's going to be Albert O's season. You know, I think they're going to utilize the tight ends. And then the coaching staff, like we try to follow the the training camp buzz, like Sig always likes to say in the drum beat. And I, I, I dove a little bit too heavy into the efficiency metrics for Albert O and said, oh, the upside and stuff like that. And didn't give enough credence to how much they were pumping up Greg Dulcich. Dulcich's usage has been awesome. And he's really... If I were to pick one player out of this offense to say, and again, I guess I'm just tight end centric today. Um, I love Friar Muth. I like Dulcich going down the stretch. Like I'm going to be ranking him as a top 12 guy on a weekly basis moving forward because that's what he's produced as. And that's what he's going to be moving forward. And all the matchups are fantastic for him moving forward. Like you look Mm -hmm. at Carolina, you look at the Raiders, you look at Titans, like all these teams struggle versus tight ends. They have all year. They're probably going to do that down the back half of the season. So Picking one guy to kind of put the feather in the cap or push my chips in on, it's going to be Dulcich probably out of this Broncos offense. And that makes me sad for Cortland Sutton because he started (laughs) off the year good, but it's faded down the stretch. Yeah, the one good thing about the Broncos is the target tree still thin. Like, Mm -hmm. it it doesn't run deep. So, like, we don't have a lot of ancillary guys we have to worry about. Uh, What's crazy, too, Russ, man, Russ is – is at the top of the league and, you know, EPA per dropback targeting wide receivers and then at the bottom of the league targeting running backs, but they're targeting running backs 25% of the time. Uh, so bad. And you named the guys and they went out and added a guy they, they perceivably that they want to throw the football to, right? Like in Chase Edmonds, like part of the reason I think the rationale of getting him as a return was to have him be like the third down back and the passing game back. And he hasn't been particularly good in that capacity with the Dolphins. So maybe he can channel some of that, you know, earlier career Chase Edmonds and it was just situation, but man, uh, yeah, it's been rough. I mean, Russ is one of the probably more interesting guys this week. You know, it's a, it's a thinner week with buys. Like how cute do you get? Like, yeah, it's a pass funnel defense. Like do can he, can he make some noise this week? If you're holding him, you got the Raiders the next week. I'm very curious to see how they come out of the buy uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, the, 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 what's that? 
it's so weird too. Like I think Tennessee um, honestly kept Mahomes um, in check. I know he he shredded them down the back of the second half of that game, but they're so quietly bad versus deep passing. I was like Mahomes, why don't you throw the freaking ball down the field? Like please. So I'm curious about what Russ does this week too. Yeah, like, they were able, they had a great ball. game plan uh, in that game Sunday because they were they were getting heat. Uh, on Mahomes, and you know that's yep. how you got some of the scram. That's how we got some of the scrambling run out that we did mm-hmm. with Mahomes, and you know some of those guys. Obviously, with the way MVS is playing, like he's the only guy that they have to win down there. So when the Tennessee was getting home with all that pressure, I mean Tennessee should have won that football game. They they really should have. They have to be kicking themselves because not only do you have the halftime lead, the Chiefs didn't score at all in the third quarter either. They had three possessions. Mm-hmm. They went interception, punt, punt. You got your stops. Like you have to generate yep. some offense, Had and to. and Tennessee just couldn't get extend their lead at all or run any clock because every drive that they had was just giving the ball right back to the Chiefs. They probably regret a lot of what happened in the second half of that game, uh, for sure. Because everyone that was watching just knew it was like, oh, you guys are just gonna keep only hang, let this game hang around and score. Like we know how this is gonna go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Reaper's coming. <laughs> uh, he's gonna get when through a drive. <laughs> yeah, the, the Reaper's gonna get a drive together. You ain't, you ain't gonna hold him the whole game. I um, wish that quote was still so popular. Like I have a hoodie with that quote on it, Reeves. I feel like that's one of the most legendary quotes ever, and it just kind of like faded into ambiguity i was like that's one of andy reed's finest moments to be honest yeah uh absolutely love it i'm enjoying uh the the antidotes too uh, that, that travis kelsey's had on his, his, the kelsey podcast with the andy oh reed my lord that i i finally found that diamond in the rough like i was like where has this been all my life i'm like this is amazing i was like has this been going on for a long time i was like i, this year. I, I love it yeah, i absolutely year. love it yeah, those guys are from like uh, they're like 15 minutes. They grew up like 15 minutes from me, and they talk about a lot of the area. And I always love getting kicked out of X. You know, I was ahead. I'm old, older than the Kelseys. So like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, same, same, same. Yeah, yeah. But I love that they they bring up. They talk a lot about different like high schools and stuff around the area because that's where they play ball, man. So like, it's great, great podcast. So I recommend recommend anyone check that out. But it's uh, fantastic and it's so funny. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, let, let's hop into some other news here too. I mean, probably the biggest story of the week, obviously, it's not just the one week, but just this resurgence of the Bears. I mean, uh, they've scored now the past, they've scored 53% of their drives the past three weeks, the highest rate in the NFL. And it's not just their scoring points. Uh, if you look at like this runout that they've had, they have scored 33, 29, 32 points. And they've also done that against the Cowboys, the the Patriots. I know the Dolphins have been bad, but especially on the road. But to, to have those games as part of that sample against the Cowboys and Patriots definitely holds some water for me. So, like, how much do you buy into, like, this Bears? The Bears is, like, a high-scoring fantasy offense. And kind of how do we handle it the rest of the season with some of these guys that probably were left for dead in a lot of leagues like Darnell Mooney, uh, definitely Cole Komet. I don't really know how much boost we're going to get, but t- listen, people need tight ends. We know that mm-hmm. in fantasy football. And then uh, specifically the running back split too. Like uh, how are we taking handling like this Bears offense now and kind of the, the, the revitalization they've had now under Luke Getzey as this thing's gained some steam? I mean, Reeves, you know as well as I do, they're they're doing smart things. Yes. Um, this, it's it's fantastic to watch a a team, an offense, and a scheme be built around a player and his strengths. And the other part about it is, like, Getsy's just doing smart things. Like, you can almost kind of just look at, like, play action rates for quarterbacks and say, okay, um, look at the top of the league and say, okay, Sharp play caller, sharp play caller, sharp play caller, sharp play. Okay, here's the bottom of play action rates. Okay, yeah, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck. <laughs> and, I mean, Fields is eighth in play action rate. He's first in design runs. He's tied with Jalen Hurts. And 41% of those runs have come over the last three games. So, it's money, dude. Like, I love it. And I've been out there trying to tell people, I'm like, I, I think I put out the tweet like a week or two ago. I was like, look, if you need a wide receiver three with upside down the stretch, and I got so much hate on this, was go get Darnell Mooney. And people are like, oh, Darnell Mooney. Like, I was like, he's not <laughs> bad. Like, legit. Like, since this offense has found its legs, Darnell Mooney has been a, a wide receiver three or better over, like, I think, like, five of his last seven games. Something of that nature. Yeah, four he's of his been, past six. Yeah, he's been a wide receiver three. And the upside is there. Like, the guy has legitimately been 
over the last, uh, it's either four or five games, he's top 20 in PFF receiving grade and yards per route run. His uh, target share has been fantastic. He owns a massive air yard share in this offense. And now with the addition of Chase Claypool, who now we're not going to get like, okay, because all the things that people want to hate on for fields and the offense and stuff, it's like, do you realize that like one, his offensive line has been substandard all season long. They've, they've been proved they're good at run blocking and their pass protection. I'm a massive fan of Braxton Jones, who is really finding his legs over the back half of the season. That's, that was a home run pick by Ryan Poles, who honestly, side note, I think Ryan Poles is going to be in executive of the year conversation in the next two to three seasons. Like I love everything he's done so far because you can kind of trace a lot of these things back. It's like, all the free agency signings, Reeves, like Byron Pringle has not been healthy, but you could kind of see why they got him. He was really good deep down the field. They want to stretch the field with, with Justin Fields. But back to the offense, I love it, man. Like since week seven, they've been fantastic. And they've been doing all of this versus really good defenses. Like they're top eight in EPA per play and EPA per pass play. They're top eight in points per game, points per drive, touchdowns per game. I mean, and honestly... I don't know if we see any of this stuff slow down, Reeves, because what they're doing is really, really smart. They're getting the quarterback out on the perimeter. They're scheming up easy looks for him. Now they have an added piece into this passing offense and Chase Claypool, who is going to be asked to win on the outside. We've seen him play in the slot this year. So while they've transitioned Darnell Mooney into being a 60% slot wide receiver this year, we know that he does have the ability to win outside. They can, you know, hide him in trips packages and things like that, get him free releases. I think Claypool is going to add another added dimension to this offense. And really, if he gets his legs done the back half of the season, I think this offense is still going to put up fireworks. And with the running backs, look, I, I for all of the talk that they had about we're going to ride the hot hand and we're going to, yep. uh, you know, we're going to incorporate more Khalil <laughs> Herbert. That happened for one game and then it's kapoof. It's gone away. Like David Montgomery is on the backfield again. I think last week he played over 70% of the snaps. I actually have him ranked aggressively this week because like quietly he's back to being, you know, workhorse. I'm not going to say bell cow, but like in that 60 to 70% snap range. So I think he's a guy that if we're looking at anybody to kind of, if you're hurting at running backs or you're looking at a player where the usage and the narrative probably don't match up is to, uh, with David Montgomery because he's not going to hit home runs, but he's been a good chunk runner. Like if you look at most of his tackle breaking metrics, they're still there. He's not going to blow anybody away with home runs, but he's been solid. They trust him in the passing game and even when Khalil Herbert was factored in here, he still owned the route run uh, share. So mm -hmm. he's a good guy that I think that is being slept on a little bit for his usage in this offense. And if we're talking about the offense is going to be this high powered or at least a watered down version, like they're going to put up points. David Montgomery is going to get touchdown opportunities down the back half of the season. Yeah, you always want to follow the the guy get, that, that gets that passing game usage, man. Because yep. when the when the shit hits the fan, we know who's in the game, and that's kind of what happened the last two weeks. Like they had to try to score with Dallas, mm -hmm. and then you know obviously they tried to try to score with Miami, and he's just going to be in the game a lot more when you, you have to throw more. Uh, so maybe we see Herbert bounce back a little bit if they can kind of control that game. If Detroit kind of does whatever their Jekyll Hyde on road thing that they've got going on too. Uh, they've had so many injuries that that stinks too, that you could have like a more of a dual back running game, but yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I have Montgomery higher. Uh, I think he's going to be interesting. He's gonna be a pretty popular pivot this week off of fields who will be popular on DraftKings. Not as much. FanDuel got religion. FanDuel said, we'll make you, if everyone's going to play you, we'll make you the third highest price quarterback. Like <laughs> he's as much as Mahomes on FanDuel. So like they're at least wow. a, de a decision. <laughs> yeah. They ain't playing oh. around, man. Uh, yeah, I didn't even look at FanDuel pricing, but that's woo. Yeah, All they right. were they're like, yeah, if everyone's gonna play play them, like we're just gonna make them. They, they've actually it's crazy, it's weird because you know the years of doing DFS, the decade of doing it is FanDuel typically has not been as sharp as pricing, and this year they have dominated DraftKings uh, in terms of pricing. But very really rare have. to see, very they rare really to have. see. And and honestly, um, I, I think it's really curious when you look at a lot of the FanDuel pricing because I know when Joe and I have talked on our Friday show, we go through the slate, he's like, uh, I mean, look at the FanDuel price. I don't know if I want to pay for this guy. And I'm like, well, that's, that's one of the reasons why I want to move towards him. Like if people yes. are like, I don't want to play Fields because he's that expensive as Mahomes. I'm just kind of like, 
well, then I'm going to play more fields because then people are not going to want to pay for him. So I'm right. like, okay, well, if he drops and he's not popular because they priced him up so aggressively, then I'm like, okay, fine. I just yeah, I mean, click the button. I mean, even prior to last week, Fields had had four straight, you know, QB1 scoring weeks. Was mm-hmm. He had he was coming off back-to-back games with over 20 DraftKings points, and he was still 5,300. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's why everyone picked it. That's why he was at everyone's roster last we'll week. We'll talk about some cash game plays <laughs> later, but, like, they, they have been slow to move up guys. Oh, um, yeah. They did with Tyler Lockett for, like, half the year, uh, Brees Hall. Kenneth yep. Walker's been a guy that Kenneth been, Walker's like, still been dude. too freaking cheap. A uh, Damian Pierce is too damn cheap. It took a like, month of everyone so playing slow. Josh Jacobs to, to make him over 7K. Like it yep. was a lot. There's been a lot of slow moving parts over there. Uh one thing I do have to talk to you about though is and we don't have to get into the weeds of like the the hire and the process because everyone's had their take on yeah. Twitter. But uh the Colts man, I mean, what the what the hell? Like and it's not so much that we have to get into like a top-down stance, like what this does for like the Colts players, are they tanking stuff? But for fantasy football, they're going to have plays run and there's going to be games played here now for the rest of the season. Now, if anyone has looked at, ahead at this for the Colts, uh, it is absolutely some nightmare fuel stuff. Uh, we do get that Raiders game this week. So if you're holding out hope for some of your guys, you get that. But then Eagles – Steelers, Cowboys, bye week, Vikings, Chargers, Giants for the rest of the fantasy season. Not the greatest. What are we supposed to do with any Colts? Are are you just holding these guys? Like, can you try to trade them in a lump deal? Are you are you just hoping that they do something against the Raiders and you can do something? Like a lot of people have said, like the you know Jonathan Taylor isn't a sell and he's not a buy. Like what what are we doing with any of these Colts guys? You're holding and and hoping and praying, Reeves. I mean. <laughs> I wrote it up in the primer this week, and honestly, like, I just vented. I was like, this clown circus organization has just nuked Michael Pittman's coming out season. Like, it's so sad to see, like. He's Jacoby Myers, basically. Yeah, I mean, basically, he's dropped into, like, the wide receiver (laughs) three tier, and the volume is crap. The quarterback play is crap. Like, everybody was like, oh, Sam Ellinger, you know, like, he could run. And I was like, dude, there's a reason why Sam Ellinger went solo in the draft. Like, he's legit not good. Like, so you're hoping, and, and the other thing about it is the Colts before they, now they got rid of Frank Reich, but I don't see them going away from it. Cause now right. who's going to call plays, how, what's it going to look like? But with Sam Ellinger, they went right back to turtle mode. I mean, they 30 seconds per snap. I mean, and a 53% neutral rushing rate. I mean, all they're doing is saying, okay, we're going to play slow and hopefully our defense can kind of save us. I think if anything, there's one part or piece to to look at for this team. It's is Jonathan Taylor, but that's about it. And I mean, you're just hoping that he gets somewhat healthy down the back half of the season. But honestly, like, can we say that's going to happen? Um, I think that's the only player that like I would realistically be even looking to possibly try to get on my teams. But I think at this point of the season, in this juncture, it's just a volume play. Uh, for him but the efficiency around him I mean you're hoping that he's able to buck some of that but it's going to be difficult and I don't know if he's going to be fully healthy down the stretch like he's tried to play through this ankle injury for multiple weeks and it's just not working like he's either aggravated it or they keep playing games like oh he's practicing oh he's going to play no he's not going to play and now Deion Jackson's hurt too so I don't know this entire offense is just it's it's nightmare fuel Reeves um, <laughs> JT is about it but I mean past that you're not going to get anything two cents on the on the dollar for any of these players and it's really sad i was like when i wrote up that game this week i think i put um <laughs> if you're looking at any type of like hail mary prayer dart throw whatever out of this offense it's probably alec pierce just because he owns the deep role and how bad the raiders have been against deep ball passing but past that woof yeah, it's 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 not, but this would be peak 2022 Raiders, a feather in their cap if they somehow had botched this home game against the oh, Colts. Oh man, uh, if they lose this game, like, <laughs> what do you think the odds are? Like, I it, this has been it has been such a mess there, and I know Darren Waller's health has kind of impacted some of the things, but like, Derek Carr has struggled all year, like. Could Josh McDaniels really be one and done? Do you see that possibly even in the range of outcomes? Like, I, I, I doubt it, but... It's wild because... It's not been... It hasn't been good, Reeves. No, it's, it's wild because, like, you know, prior to two weeks ago when they were headed into New Orleans, like, at least, like, the offense had, like, was scoring. Like, they were scoring points. And then they came out and they scored in the first half last week. 
and then just ghosted. They just completely ghosted again uh, in the second half of that game. And Chris Carter, listen, I bet the over in that game. I'm pretty jaded about it still. But uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it, you look and you're like, Carr, he's 16 to 21 in the first half of that game. Devontae Adams, mm. that's, Devontae Adams doesn't catch a pass in the second half of that game. Um, the they were, were having an effective running game for multiple weeks. And like, mm-hmm. we all were kind of just like, this is crazy. We love the usage strategies, but like, how are they running the ball so good? Like this offensive line, we know isn't good. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, how is this all working? Like, how is this all working? And then we said in the last two weeks, well, maybe it was a little bit short lived, although we still love the work and like, you know, we're going to follow the game spot for Josh Jacobs. We love that still too, but like the offensive line's not good. Uh, Hunter Renfro's taking a step back. Like he's barely involved in the offense. Why are like, they not he, using him? In, like to no capacity. I wish I had an like, answer for you. McDaniels is so <laughs> obsessed with his little multi-back sets. And like, w- stop being cute. Like if you want to help Carr, put him in 11 personnel, utilize his safety blanket, use Hunter Renfro because you don't have Darren Waller and Foster Moreau is not doing anything. No, like, I have no clue what the hell is going through McDaniels head. It's like, Let's just use these multi-back sets. Let's get them in 12 and, and these two wide receiver sets. It's like, let's feature more Mac Hollins. It's like, what the hell are you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting if Waller plays. It looks like Waller's on the Keenan Allen trajectory here of, yeah. like, just who you'll we'll see him when we see him, he's, he's day-to-day, Reeves. He's day-to-day. <laughs> we all are, man. But uh, he got that contract, and he got what he wanted. Hey, man. Uh, good grats <laughs> for him. He got the bag. He did get that bag, but yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. Uh, if it, because that's what I think the interesting component is. Like a lot of people want to watch the Colts to see, like if it is the train wreck, maybe some are expecting, and maybe it won't be. Because listen, two weeks ago they were like at least game with the Commanders, and they had a shot to win that game. And and a lot of quarterbacks have gone into Foxborough at the stage of Sam Ellinger's career and looked like last week. Uh, so maybe there's some, some some bounce back here with the Raiders. Let me ask you a question. How confident are you in streaming the Raiders' defense? Not. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough not, yeah. I mean, not not a ton. I mean, they don't – a lot of the things that I look for in streaming defenses, like are they going to pressure the quarterback? Do they blitz? Um, can they cause turnovers? Not a lot of that <laughs> is in the Raiders' bag. They don't do none of that. They just sit back in zone and they're like, eh. We just want to stop you from going deep or, you know, we just want to kind of just sit back here and, and get limit big plays if we can. I was so, high on Patrick Graham, too. Like, I like Patrick I, I Graham, like Patrick Graham, too. But, I just, uh, yeah. I, to be honest, be like, a lot of the parts or pieces, like, they've gotten a really good season out of Rocky Sin, which I didn't see coming, but he's been really quietly good. But a lot of the other parts or pieces, like, their pass rush has not worked out. Um, I, I don't understand a lot of the other things that they're doing, but... You know, um, yeah, a lot of the things that I'll look for in a streaming defense, like I think people are going to be high on them because they're going to say, oh, the Colts are so bad. And it's like, well, yeah, but if, if they decide to turtle and they play slow and they run the ball, where are you getting your turnover opportunities from? Where are you going to score points from a defense that doesn't like provide a lot of sacks, doesn't cause a lot of turnovers? And with an offense, it's like, if we're going to try to win the ball or win this ball game, it's going to be by playing slow and limiting all those things. So eh, I'm not too big on them. Yeah, uh, let, let's, let's ask a couple more matchup things for this week. Uh, one is Justin Herbert has the run out hasn't been good uh, here of late. You know, everything's gone wrong that could go wrong. We talked about with Dan Pazuda on the earlier, you know, the, the real the real football show that like, you know, it's pretty wild that like Herbert is still like where he is in terms of like EPA for dropback. Even in the last three weeks, he's 11th in EPA for dropback, which doesn't make wow. any sense considering everything that's going on around there. But for fantasy football, we could talk about like EPA doesn't help us, right? Like we, you know, expected points added. We, we care about fantasy points. And right now, Justin Herbert has one QB1 scoring week over his past four games. And he's heading into San Francisco, who's getting a little healthier coming out of the bye. Justin Herbert, are you one looking to stream for him this week? Are you going to try to fight through this? The rest of the season schedule is still really good. Uh, are you looking to just give him a break? Are you looking to come off of him? How are you handling Justin Herbert this week and potentially big picture? I mean, I'm benching him if I, if somehow like you got lucky and you picked up, you know, cause a lot of people didn't draft fields or two mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, there's a lot of teams out there that have these guys that are exploding down the back half of the season. So if you got one of the other guys, like a fields or a two or something like that on your bench, then obviously I'm playing over them over field over Herbert and even players that, you know, maybe they offer some rushing upside, like a Trevor Lawrence, um, Daniel Jones. Um, I'm willing, if you need the upside, 
to go with them over Justin Herbert. I'm holding him because the passing volume has been there, Reeves. And that's yeah. really what's floated as They can't run. No, they can't <laughs> run the ball to save their lives. Like, they had that one breakout game, I think it was against the Browns, where Eckler exploded, but past that, they cannot run the ball. Um, it's been all heavy passing volume, and that's really what's helped Herbert just sustain value because it's nothing but short passes. He's 39th and dot. Um, so I'm not going to cut him free, I'm, but if you need the ceiling, it's hard to see it out of Justin Herbert this week. Um, so I, I have no problem trying to stream other quarterbacks in either better matchups uh, that are playing better, honestly, or have some rushing upside in equity or in better scoring environments, too. How about his his counterpart here? You know, they had a buy, probably was let go. Are, are you picking up Jimmy G to stream for him? I would consider it. I mean, Jimmy G's been QB nine in three of his last four games. Dude just has to play point guard. If he can, you know, do his best John Stockton impression and just beep, 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 <laughs> just dish it, like he's going to be close to that neighborhood of top 12 quarterback. And it's not like the Chargers defense has been good. Um, you know, JC Jackson was playing terrible but although i i think that he was not fully healthy for any stretch of this season but there are other cornerbacks like asante samuel's not playing great same thing with michael davis um as long as you stay from stay away from bryce callahan on the slot i think that san francisco is going to put up a, a metric ton of points and if jimmy i mean i think it's in the realm of outcomes that like jimmy throws you know two touchdown passes to mccaffrey this week if that happens he he's going to probably walk away with three touchdowns in the bag and be a top 12 quarterback so no i have no problems uh, chasing jimmy for the upside I like that. Uh, so, so would he be? Would Jimmy G be kind of like your favorite streamer? Because we have Lamar on by, we have Burrow on by, Justin Herbert, another high drafted quarterback. These are highly drafted quarterbacks that teams probably weren't carrying two quarterbacks for most of the year at all. So, I mean, uh, who who is kind of your favorite streamer? Like, oh, we might not have Josh Allen either, by the way. So, like, uh, how, who's your kind of guy to go in the bag for this week? Uh, is Trevor Lawrence low enough to consider him a streamer, Reeves? Or do you want me to go lower? Uh, I mean, listen, I love Lawrence this week. Uh, I've been re- kind of, re- it's funny as I wasn't like the, the largest, like Trevor Lawrence stand, but now I Same. feel like every, everyone's gone in the other direction too far. But, Same. uh, yeah, I love Lawrence. You can use Lawrence, but I'm sure if you have a deeper bag that people will love all yeah. the options. Um, I, yeah, I'll give you two. I'll go with Lawrence for the, for the low hanging yep. fruit here. I like Lawrence this week. He's flashed some rushing, yep. rushing upside. He's been a top 12 quarterback in three of his last four games. Scoring environment's awesome. Uh, we're going to talk about some of their players here in a second. But um, if it's not them and one of the games that I think is it can offer some quiet uh, upside, and this is contingent, and I know it's going to sound gross, but this is contingent upon Jarvis Landry coming back. I If you're in a pinch and it looks gross out there, I don't hate Andy Dalton this week. The Steelers' mm-hmm. pa- secondary has been giving up explosive passes. They're um, top 10 versus uh, points per game allowed to slot wide receivers. And Andy has, I mean, honestly, like, people want to give him shit. He's been playing quietly good. Like, he's been doing, like, basically giving his best watered-down Chef Geno impression. His his PFF passing grades are high. He's pushing the ball down the field. Um, his yards per attempt were high. They've kind of cratered in the last few games, but some of that's been because of pressure. Um, and the Steelers, I know maybe they get TJ Watt back, but they're bottom five in pressure this season. So that's honestly the quarterback. If we really want to get into the bag, Reeves, where I won't be surprised. And and a lot of this is, yes, we need Jarvis Landry back because besides that, there's really no other tertiary options in this passing game because the Steelers have been good versus running backs. And the Saints really, early in games, unless they're trailing and they have to, they have not involved Alvin Kamara. I know the stat lines say otherwise. Yeah, like the base offense. But the base offense does not include Alvin Kamara checkdowns early in the game. It's basically like garbage time and late in games. They finally get him involved. So to really give Andy Dalton a ceiling, I know it sounds insane, but I think Jarvis Landry's got to be back. If he's back, yeah, I can I can get on board with Andy Dalton this week. I love it. Yeah, great, great spot for Olave too this week. Obviously, everyone's, oh. everyone's jamming in Olave. Oh, Olave. He's another guy too. DraftKings has been kind of really slow to the, the to push up, but uh, I mean, when they... you can get a guy in the five K range that's going to see like ten to twelve targets and like a freaking thirty percent target share and air yard share, good yeah. lord! I mean, what is DK he's, doing? He's finally pushing up towards seven, but there was a while there where he was like four, five, five. It was just taking a long mm-hmm. time for him to get there, and they kept losing. The Saints kept losing players around him. Yeah, <laughs> and he's been uh, so good. Like 
it's insane how good he's been, Reeves. Like, because the guy can win versus man, and the Steelers run a lot of man recently, but he can win versus man, win versus zone. Like, he's he's playing really well for a rookie. Yeah, listen, Ohio State, man, they're going to keep putting these guys out. Uh, we uh, talked out of the MTO. I mean, listen, man, Mar- Marv Harrison looks like an absolute demon. Dude, uh, Brian Hartline is just <laughs> rolling out wide receiver you, baby. Like, every wide receiver that comes out of that program is so polished. It'll be interesting to see with them expanding the playoffs how, like, that impacts some of the mm-hmm. uh, the distribution of talent that the college was had. Because with it with the playoffs being so condensed, there was no reason for guys not to go, go to Ohio State or Alabama mm-hmm. because the, you know what you're going to get every year. You're, they're going to yep. elevate your draft stock. <laughs> yep. They're going to be playing big games. They're going to elevate your draft stock. There you is, might not be a first-round pick or that kind of status, but you're going to get into the first-round conversation because of the yep. helmet, baby. Yeah, so I mean, uh, I'm curious to see if that starts to change a little bit with them expanding, but not yet. They still got a, a litany of dudes that look really good, like they're gonna be good pros. Uh, how about how about tight end here? Uh, so do you have a favorite tight end dart? Everyone always loves this to go go here uh, every Sunday morning in my fantasy chat. We're always talking about some shitty tight end. <laughs> um, I'll give you a two pack. Uh, I think you can go back to the Cole Komet uh, well this week, um, and this is not so much. And when we go down these 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 matchup based dart guys, it's, it really comes down to matchup like mm-hmm. outside of, and, and I'm not chasing the two touchdown performance. It really comes down to the Detroit Lions have been bad versus tight ends. Uh, the 24th in DVOA, their top 10 and catch rate yards per reception and receiving touchdowns allowed. So I think, um, while it, it, it feels like on the surface point chasing, um, the matchup screams that you can go back to the Cole Komet well, and another guy, I mean, I'll bring him up, Dawson Knox. Um, and this is regardless of whether Allen plays or not. I think you can go to the Dawson Knox well this week uh, if you need a tight end and you're in a pinch. Um, his route rate jumped up to 70%. That's only the second time that he's eclipsed that rate all season. I know his target share is not fantastic, but the Vikings have been bad versus tight ends. 22nd in DVOA. Again, their top 10 in catch rate, yards per reception, and receiving touchdowns. So if we're looking at Case Keenum, who is allergic to throwing the ball down the field and it's probably not going to be a, a Gabe Davis week if Keenum's under center, much less so if Allen is banged up. I think you could see a bump in, in Dawson Knox's usage this week. Yeah, the Bills are interesting. It looks like they're trying to find some guys to contribute out, outside of Steph Diggs, man, some some, yep. some consistency. Uh, we'll see, yeah, if they, if they don't have Allen. Uh, we'll bring us home with a couple like a couple things looking at that kind of like the DFS landscape and which ties into season-long stuff, too, if you have any of these guys, too. But uh, what's kind of like the, the, the most appealing game to you on this slate, like the, the game that's getting you the most excited? I mean, I, I know it's just going to seem like I'm playing Captain Obvious here, but I think the pace and the scoring potential of Jacksonville and Kansas City is fantastic. Um, both of these teams are top 10 in pace. Um, I think, again, Trevor Lawrence is rushing upside. There's multiple parts or pieces and ways that you can attack this game, um, you know, from various uh, spots. You can even get weird, um, and we talked about it before we turn the mics and the cameras on. I'll, I like Marvin Jones a little bit this week and his mm-hmm. deep role. Um, if I'm going to go off the page and not take one of these high total games, because, I mean, it's easy. Like, I could sit here and tell you the Lions and Bears right. <laughs> and, and all these other total games above 48. I'm going to go back to the Saints and Steelers. I think the fact that both of these teams do not pressure well. Um, both of these secondaries have struggled. They are banged up. I think it's going to be a big George Pickens game. Um, considering he's going to see a lot of a Debo this week. And uh, it won't be hard for the Saints. And it, uh, to be honest, Reeves, it won't be hard for either one of these defenses to make these offenses more one-dimensional and have to throw the ball. Um, so I think Pittsburgh's got the passing rate and the pace to kind of prop up the play volume in this game just a little bit. But the, if I'm going to pick one of the lower total games, which – this one's sitting at 40 right now. That could really eclipse, and we could see them inch towards like the high 40s, maybe touch 50s. Uh, if we get lucky and we get Jarvis Landry and some big plays from Olave and Pickens, um, Saints and Steelers is going to be my my off the page kind of game that I, that I really like this week. Yeah, I, I do a, a game a show after this one where we talk about three games for DFS, and I told Hulk I was I'm doing this game because I have Lions fatigue. 
yes. so like I just didn't want to do the uh, like it feels like I've been picking we've been talking a lot like whoever plays the Lions every week uh and I had <laughs> this is so I had this as my pivot game so we're ch- gonna be talking about this game so I'm glad to hear you say that I like some of the pieces in this game it might not be a situation where you said like where, where maybe you, you you're gonna build like your your fall like onslaught slack stacks out of this game but there are a lot of individual pieces in this game that you can see really well, contributing to DFS this week. And the other part is like the way that these defenses match up, it's kind of, I don't want to say easy, but it's easier to kind of project where the ball goes. You mm-hmm. know, both of these defenses are damn good against tight ends. Both of these defenses are either average or really good against the run. So you really can say, okay, with well, the secondaries in the corners have struggled these are the parts and pieces I want to pick out of this game and saying if this follows suit with how these defenses have played to their strengths, where the ball goes could be really, honestly, pretty easy to kind of figure out. Like, I mean, it's it Reeves, it would be really easy just to play a mini stack off of this game, not even looking at the quarterbacks, but just say, all right, I'm going to play one of the other high total games and then I'm going to build a mini stack of Olave, Landry, and Pickens and then put stuff around that. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of potential here. Uh, I don't know how long people are still holding on to this uh, Taysom, Taysom Hill thing, too, but uh, <laughs> the results have been here. Every week I see he's ranked like seventh, though, and I get it, uh, I guess, to a degree. I, but... I, I put him in tight end two range. I just yeah, I'm the same thing. volatile man. Yeah, I mean, he, he now has, you know, obviously the, the one spike week people will hold on to forever. That's just the way it works, especially at time. But he now has three tight end one scoring weeks on the season. Like we're getting further and further away from that Seahawks game. Uh, so yeah, we'll see if he keeps getting put in people's lineups. But really, uh, he's not going to run for another hundred yards Reeves, this whole year. <laughs> yeah. Like seriously? Yeah, oh, another oh, uh, oh. long touchdown, long three touchdowns, so with one crazy. being a fifty yarder uh, in that game. Uh, so the, yeah, that was the one too. Like I was going to ask for overlook game. That was there too. So let's just bring it home here. Like. Looking at this from a top-down stance, like who are the guys you most excited to play today? Like guys that like are be like the Derek Brown cash core. Like where you're starting things with this week? Um, I think it's easy to kind of go to the pay-up running backs, but honestly, I think you can get similar production um, from some of the pay-down options. Like the three players that, if I'm starting kind of cash builds this week, it's probably going to be um, some combination of Damian Pierce because the Giants cannot stop the run. We know that the the Texans want to run. The strength of the Giants' secondary is to blitz, or the strength of their defense is to blitz and their pass defense. So I think Damian Pierce, as long as, and I know he's popped up in the injury report, as long as health complies, he's in for 20 to 30 touches this week, and he's got explosive ability versus this run defense. Uh, and the other two guys I'm just going to take, you know, out of one of the highest total games of the week. But honestly, they're 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 underpriced for the roles, Reeves. Like, the fact that ETN is not an AK running back is insane mm-hmm. to me. Um, you look over his last three games, his usage has been awesome. And we haven't even seen him truly access a ceiling in the passing game. Right. Like, I'm waiting for him to blow up in the passing game because we're going to get it, man. Like he's going to come out of the blue with some six or seven target game and they utilize him. And I will be surprised if it's this week, like Kansas city's bottom three and damn near everything you look at versus pass catching running backs. And so for the volume, his production, like he's had 22 or more DK points in each of the last three games, he's averaging 24 touches. That is 8k running back material. So mm-hmm. he's underpriced and I'll go to Christian Kirk. He's averaging almost yeah, yeah. nine targets a game over three. He is another guy that we've talked about. DK is too slow to sit here and increase his price. The fact that he is sub 6K and now he takes a, takes on a Kansas City secondary that's allowing the seventh most points to slot wide receivers. I, I honestly think like he could sniff this game goes full shootout. You could see Kirk go for multiple touchdowns um, and sniff 12 to 14 targets in this game. And it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I love the Kirk call. He was a guy that was a staple of my lineups last week. It was great yeah, because same. he was the pivot off of Amon Ra, who was a lot more popular. Uh, so he he got me there. I'm curious if he gets steam this week. I don't think it's going to happen. Do you? Uh, maybe. I mean, anyone that plays the Chiefs t- typically go along for the ride a little yeah. bit when they're when they're on the main slate. Now that the Bills kind of have this uh, Josh Allen thing kind of looming over, uh, it will mm-hmm. probably reduce some of the excitement that people have to play Bills. Uh, we could see the kind of punchback going in the favor of the Jaguars guys. I'm curious to see where it goes though, because Lawrence, I think is a good play. I think Etienne's a good play. I think Kirk's a good play. I think Marvin Jones is a good dart. 
uh, yeah, I'm curious to see that that side how it looks up because I'm that's a game I'm eyeballing for the Jacksonville side where you because you can fit Kelsey in that way then. Yep. Like you can and, play Kelsey with Jaguars. It's a lot harder to go Mahomes, Kelsey, and then try to fit is. ETN in, and then try to well, like. Well, and fit. then you can play. You can play that game also with the narrative of like um, that either Kansas City gets up uh, and get wild and throw like Pacheco in there, or go to Jarrett McKinnon and say that you know they they decide not to run and things like that. Um, I love the fact that you brought up the Viking games because I honestly like I love Dalvin Cook this week. Um, not, not going for, for cash game builds here, but like, I'm going to have a crap ton of Dalvin cook, um, just because of the, how that game script and the bills. The game's still good. Interesting for DFS purposes. It is. I was, you know, honestly, when you talked about favorite games of the week, I almost mentioned the Vikings and bills and, and the sense that like, you can still play this game. Like the Vikings defense is not good. And even case Keenum can prop up the, the, the weapons here. No, because what's going to happen? I'm surprised that totals that low, to be honest. Because what's going to happen? I think there is some weather stuff ahead. I don't look mm, at that stuff. I like haven't so looked far. at that. Same. I don't really get into it just because I wait till we're knocking on the door because that stuff has so much variance and it changes. Even the yeah. game tonight that's going on tonight is supposed to look a little better than what people said yesterday. But uh, I think well, that you is know, impacting. as soon as the weather gets in talk, everybody's like, "Oh, the wind!" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. And the better yeah, they, they freak out. They well, and the betters will take any inch they could get. So if like they oh, get. Yeah if you get early wind on potential weather, like, all right, let's, we're going to get on this under hammer the then, unders. Cause then you can come back, right. If things clear up, you can uh-huh. come back over. You can try to middle it. Hit the overs, baby. Uh, so, yep. but I do think that game is interesting because case Keenum is good enough to facilitate at least the ball to Stefan Diggs. Cause Stefan yep. Diggs is that damn good Agreed. receiver. How we already seen it for a season when they played together. Uh, or you get cheap with the mini and go Dalvin and Dawson Knox. Yeah, I mean, um, you could play, you can do the the, the mini two digs and Dalvin. Uh, yep, it's expensive. Like but what's going to happen, though, if Allen doesn't play is that Diggs' roster ship's going to plummet out of yep. that group. And what's, it'll be interesting to see if Wolford plays too. And if Wolford plays, if Cup's <laughs> roster ship plummets as well. Uh, and you know, both of those guys are still going to get fed a crap yeah. ton of volume. And it's not like Case Keenum has been bad. Like, he can be fine in the pocket. Like he can distribute the ball. It's not like the Vikings secondary is anything where you're like, oh no, I'm gonna stay away from them. Like, no, you don't. But I think that that, that group is probably not gonna get played. People will pay for Tyreek because we have been. Yep. Uh, but like Cup, Diggs, their roster ship will probably plummet. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much people will go to Adams just because of the game environment. Uh, mm-hmm. Jefferson is. You can always play Jefferson. Um, always. And then you've got DeAndre Hopkins. But, yeah, I mean, you'll probably see – I bet Diggs – yeah, if Allen doesn't play, Diggs is going to be – he'll be single-digit ownership yep. for sure. I was going to say he'll probably be like sub-five, sub-six. He'll be single-digit ownership for sure. So, in a way, you can get attack that game too because it will be kind of left for dead a little bit. So, yeah, I love that. I love that call still too. Uh, nice. That's beautiful, man. Listen, uh, uh, it was great to have you on. Delivered as, as promised. Uh, let everyone know exactly what you have going on, where they can find you, uh, where, where the good work is. Yeah, man. All things, everything over at Fantasy Pros. The primer comes out uh, Thursday morning, religiously every single week, writing up all the games, just like Reeb does with with um, your game by game, man. Love it. Um, yeah, so you can catch me on the main Fantasy Pros podcast. I'm on there two to three times a week, um, early in the week for waivers, matchup stuff towards the end of the week, and then we have the Friday DFS show that goes live on the main fantasy pros account. You can stream it and watch playback with me and Joe. We run through every single game of the entire DFS slate, but Reeves, I love getting a chance to, to talk football with sharp people, man. You're one of the best. Thank you so much for having me, dude. This was, this was a damn blast. I love getting into usage and the personnel <laughs> and all the kind of nerd stuff that we just, you know, we just love. Yeah, all the, all the stuff we're digging in the weeds on. Listen, I appreciate it. We just got to we just got to do it more often. You know, let's uh, yeah, right, let's make a point to do it more often. And hook up a uh, in person and get a chance to do it. So, listen, we love that. Uh, side note for the site at Char Football this week: uh, the weekly packages are only a dollar this week, so you can sign up for a dollar and read the worksheet. Um, so definitely take advantage of that if you can. Other than that, like, listen, it's week ten, baby. Uh, we'll be back in week eleven. Everybody, hit those cash lines when your season long leaks. Hopefully you tip something over that's big. Good luck this week.